0: morning everyone it's the last sunday morning of the year and if you're anything like myself you'll maybe look back over the year that has passed and look forward with your hopes and plans in the grace of god to the year that lies ahead what i want to talk to you about this morning is what do you do when all of those dreams and those plans haven't worked out like you thought that they would when hope has begun to evaporate, when your dreams are shattered, when wave after wave has come against your life and you're weary and you're worn and you don't know how you're going to take that next step. What do you do? Well, let's look at it this morning. If you'll turn with me, please, to the book of Samuel, First Samuel and chapter 30, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Ruth, Samuel. And we'll begin to read in verse 1. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south, and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. And had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept, until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captive, Ahinoam the Jezreelites, and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed. For the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved, and every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And we'll stop there this morning and know the Lord will bless the reading of his word. That's by in a word of prayer together father we thank you to be found in your house this morning we thank you to be gathered around your word we thank you that we can call you our abba father our daddy god although you are the king of all glory yet you care for everything that happens in our lives this morning father will you be real to us Will you let us have that face to face encounter with yourself? Will you minister to our hearts, steady our nerves, strengthen our spirits, and give us the garment of praise? For we ask it in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen. Knowing how to recover and sustain our strength is essential for victory. It's vital if we are to fulfill the call of God for our lives and it's necessary to achieve our God-born dreams. It is the key to promotion to the next step of our walk with God. And there are times in our lives when God will come in a supernatural way and minister to us and no one can encourage like the Lord. And there are times when he will place men and women in our lives, shepherds and pastors and mentors and friends to encourage us. But the reality of it is, most of the time we are to learn to encourage ourselves. Because more often than not, the greatest of conflicts are from within and not without. In the passage we read this morning, we see a snapshot of David. At a time of crisis in his life, we see battle-hardened men broken, weeping and worn dying. But to understand the significance of David's actions we must look back to where he has come from. We cannot, until we have looked at what he has come through, appreciate the breakthrough. It's not the trauma of one event that's left David so exasperated. David's 29 years old here, and for the past 13 years has struggled to come to terms with his destiny and with his call in God. Thirteen years of ups and downs, distractions and discouragements, disappointments and rejections, anxiety and stress and failure and fatigue and hardship and longing and confusion. It's a long time since the prophet Samuel had anointed his head and proclaimed he would be king. It's a long time since the Lord had said, Arise and anoint him, for this is he. David's life would seem a hard and strange schooling for a would-be king. Yet as we follow him, surely we can relate to his highs and, and lows. We can relate to his virtues and his vices. And how many times have we run to his words in the Psalms that were born out of such sorrow and suffering, pain and struggle, or his joy and jubilation. And sooner or later we have found the cry of our very own hearts. Within the pages of Holy Writ, David's schooling begins with our introduction to him in Samuel 16 In the lonely sheepfolds of Bethlehem. Samuel is sent to the house of Jesse to anoint him a king, but David has yet older brothers, and here it begins. His father does not even send for him; he doesn't even read him. Kingly material. David still in the sheep coats. Forgotten by his father, scoffed at it and said at naught by his brothers, but David is God's choice. Despite it all, he cannot sour or starve or poison or pervert David's young nature. There is a wellspring of piety and poetry in David that is independent of adversity. Can you remember those days, brothers and sisters, of your first love when all was fresh? And nothing could get you down or keep you back. David's a man who never does things by halves. And we see him full of energy and decision, resolution and devotion. With a scorn for idleness and ease and a love for labor and danger. You cannot be in David's presence and remain indifferent. You will either love him or you will hate him. He's a man of strong passions, both good and good. And bad, but no stronger than that to do with his might whatever his hand found to do, either harp or sling, sword or scepter, or indeed the Psalmist pen. David was not the only one in Israel with a harp or an ear for music, but he is one who had decided to do his very best with what he had. David's harp would sound farther than he ever dreamed, even down through the ages of time to this very morning. There was many a shepherd boy could play a harp, but none other was anointed to soothe the mind of a king. He was not the only owner of a slingshot either. Surely the best made slingshots were owned by the greatest warriors in the courts of Saul. But in the day of trouble and battle they were found hung on their belts, not put to use in the fight, paralyzed by fear and unbelief. When Goliath came out to deliver his taunts, but not so once David heard David had a different heart. David's slingshot may have been the simplest, that of a shepherd boy. But it was the one to deliver the smooth stone to the giant's brow that delivered a nation. Do you feel lowly this morning? Do you feel insignificant? Do you feel like your resources are meager and your qualifications slight? Your opportunities few? You feel that those around you are so much more qualified than you But little put to good use is of infinitely more value than much that is lying waste. Your simple act of faith and availability this morning to God can make history. And Some of you have just said in your heart sitting here in Donoglone Elam Church that can never happen to me. Do you really believe where you sit that God could touch you this morning and make you a voice to a nation? Really, is it any more unlikely than that a shepherd boy without any army training should go out to face a giant, a warrior from his youth and slay him with a blow? Is it any more unlikely? Is your God any different than David's was this morning? If you're available to God, anything can happen despite the odds. Promotion comes quickly to David The doors are opened in popularity and praise. He's given the king's daughter to marry and he's brought to the king's house. It seems like his dreams are beginning to be fulfilled. But David knew the burden of leadership. And he says, Seemeth it to you a light thing to be a king's son-in-law, seeing that I am a poor man and lightly esteemed. The women began to chant, Saul slayed his thousands, but David, David is tens of thousands. But David was no hero in his own eyes. David was little in his own eyes. But he was much in God's. But David's burdens were only just beginning. Such chance burned within the heart of Saul. And it says, Saul eyed David from that day forward. He watched him with a jealous eye. David had made an enemy for life. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him and had departed from Saul. Saul was yet more afraid of David, and Saul became David's enemy continually. It means he became his hated adversary in any and every manner and way. He would send for David when troubled by an evil spirit. David, play. David, bless me. David, help me in this situation. But all the time he planned in his heart to smite David even to the wall with the javelin. When David's wife makes excuses, he's sick, he, he can't come to the court, Saul. Saul says, bring him up to me in the bed that I may slay him. David had an enemy with no mercy. An enemy with hatred and jealousy in his heart. But this was supposed to be David's breakthrough. This was supposed to be David's rise to power and prominence. It was God's word. God had said he should be king and now he's here in the palace. He served his time in the sheepcoats. He fought the battle that no other man would face. He went out and he slew Goliath. Surely this is his time. But we find David crying out to Jonathan, Saul's son, what have I done? What is mine iniquity? What sin is there before thy father that he seeketh my life? And David's dreams slowly beginning to crumble and fall apart. And the grace of David's life was met only with hatred and indignation and the opposition of men until David cries out, there is but a step between me and death. And he flees the palace and he flees the presence of Saul. David is a man on the run. He thought all that God had promised him had come, but he's had to leave it all behind. And we read that Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. Soon being associated with David was going to be a dangerous place to be. David's name was anathema. David's name was cursed. You you don't want to be around David. You're going to get flack. You're going to get opposition. You're going to have to pay a price to walk with David. And David flees to Ahimelech the priest. And he eats the showbread starving. He takes Goliath's sword to him. His only weapon. And the price Ahimelech would pay. Along with 85 priests of the Lord that wore the linen ephod would be slaughter once Saul find out only Abiathar Ahimelech's son escapes to David and David feels responsible David feels like it's his fault he says I have occasioned the death of all the persons of thy house David felt responsible sometimes when you're going to take a stand for God the people around you are going to be caught in the crossfire. And David knew the burden that that brought. He sets up his refuge in the cave of Adullam, and we read that everyone in distress and debt and discontented gathered themselves to him, some 400 men, and the anointing of God to be a leader of men was still there in David's heart. But this wasn't the palace, this was the cave. This wasn't the luxury and the opulence and the provision David expected. This is the wilderness, this is barrenness, this is hardship. Instead of being surrounded by the biggest and the best and the finest of Israel's soldiers, men of integrity before God, David has a bunch of malcontents, men of broken fortunes and restless spirits, and he's stuck in the back end of nowhere with his dreams and it's God. The gift and the call And the anointing of God were still intact in an operation. But this is not what David dreamed. What can we learn from the cave of Adullam this morning? For our own lives and hearts, surely it shows us that if David could be hidden in a cave for a time, then even God's most shining of lights can be eclipsed and hidden under a bushel, if only for a season. David rallies these band of men and it comes to his attention that the city of Keilah is to be besieged by the Philistines. And he inquires of the Lord, should we go up? And God tells him to go. But it says his men were afraid. But we've heard from God. We've heard from the Lord. And he goes back to God and God tells him again, David, go and do that which I put in your heart. But David spends his time trying to motivate and drag the people with him and stir them up to serve and encourage them to follow and bring them before God, spending himself energizing those around him. But they go to the battle and save the inhabitants of Keilah. But once again, Saul hears and comes after David and the Lord tells him the people will deliver you up. These are people that God sent David too. These are people that David came and rescued. These are people that would have gone under without the servant of God. But these are people that will not stand with him. These are people that would betray him and deliver him up. And David, rejected again, goes on the run with nowhere to go. And you can hear the brokenness in his words when it says he departed whithersoever they could. He finds himself in the wilderness as if, and Saul is still seeking him relentlessly. But God has a handful on purpose for David. And he sends Jonathan to him. Jonathan, whose name means Jehovah given, God given. And this is a strange relationship. This is the man who should be king. This is Saul's heir, Saul's son. But he goes out to the man who would be king. The man that God has called and strengthens his hand in God you see after Goliath it says that Jonathan had heard David's speech he'd heard his faith he'd heard his heart and his soul was knit together and he loved David as his own soul and listen to how he encourages the man of God in the wilderness he says fear not for the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee and thou shall be king over Israel and I shall be next unto thee and that Also Saul knoweth. He says, David, don't be afraid. He says, David, the enemy's not going to win here. He says, David, your destiny will come to pass, despite how it looks in the natural, despite the circumstances. Even though I'm the heir to the throne, I'm going to step aside. I'm going to be beside you. David, it'll come to pass. And he strengthened David in God. He reconnected him with his calling, with his identity, with his purpose. And he strengthened him in God. Be careful who you listen to in the wilderness. Be careful who you listen to when you're vulnerable. Have strong personal boundaries for the people who speak out of negativity and unbelief. For not all ungodly counsel comes from the ungodly. There are many that mean well, but they lack the perspective of faith. Playing it safe always seems like wisdom to those in unbelief. And it may well be safe, but you'll never move any mountains or slay any giants. David needed Jonathan's encouragement. For soon he would hear that, Saul, that's, that Samuel would pass away. His spiritual father, a great spiritual light in Israel, was to go out. But now David's godly leadership is needed more than ever. David reaches out to Nabal, a prosperous man, a great man, with over 3,000 sheep and goats, and it said his shearers were at Carmel. And David had protected these shepherds. David had protected that which belonged to Nabal. His shepherds said they were as a wall unto us night and day. David had done good unto Nabal. But he turns to him and says, Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thine hand. But Nabal, whose name means stupid and foolish or wicked, he's stupid by name and he's stupid by nature. And he says, Who's David? Who's David? Why should I take what I have and give it to you? When it came time to repay David's kindness, Nabal set him at naught. David had looked after his people, shepherded his flocks. Nabal turns and reigns him and sets him at nothing. David lost his temper. Righteous indignation. Enough is enough. And David girds on the sword and would go out to wipe Nabal out or as we say, he would take him out by the roots. He's going to wipe him out. We can learn from Nabal this morning, brothers and sisters, Never withhold from the servants or the work of God the help that is within your power to do because you will answer to God for it. Soon God would smite Nabal that he died. But Nabal's wife, she wasn't so slow. Nabal's wife, Abigail, whose name means source of joy, went out to meet David en route. She says, I'll stay his hand. And she meets David and listen again to her words over david's life he says, for the lord will certainly make my lord a sure house he says david your fate's sure regardless of where you are right now you're going through He says, because my lord fighteth the battles of the lord and evil have not been found in thee all thy days david you're going through hardship you're going through situations you don't understand but you're still in the will of god you're still fighting his battles you're still in his purpose and no evil has been found in thee. Yet a man has risen to pursue thee and to seek thy soul. Despite getting it all right David. You still got a battle to fight and you still got an enemy to face. But listen to her words. She says. But the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life. With the Lord thy God. You're not on your own David. Man's help might be vain. People's help might be vain. Their counsel might be inadequate, but God is bound with you, David. All the days of your life, your plan, your purpose, your destiny, you're bound with your God, and he will not let you down. And the souls of of your enemies he will sling out as of the middle of a sling. And listen to her faith. She says, it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he has spoken concerning thee and shall have appointed thee ruler over Israel. She's got no doubt. David's going to see his destiny through. She says, This shall be no grief unto thee nor offence unto thy heart. David's reminded again of his identity, of his purpose of the closeness of his God, no matter the hardship that he's going through. But The lesson to learn from Abigail this morning, brothers and sisters, is you cannot judge your life by where you are at the moment. You cannot judge your life by where you are at the moment. It's not over yet. It's not over yet. When the promise has come, this trial shall be no grief. Onto thee or offense to thy heart when you're going through an agony it's because there's an ecstasy ahead there can be no crying if there is no cross several times Saul's life was in David's hands he could have removed his enemies he could have taken them out in the wilderness David was surrounded by men like Abishai Men of valor, men of honor, men of courage. And Abishai says, I'll pin him to the ground with the spear. I'll pin him with a blow. I'll finish it for you, David. Thank God in the day of battle for men like Abishai. But for all of Abishai's heart and courage, Abishai was wrong. Abishai was wrong. David had realized that even though Saul had lost the anointing, Even though his leadership was wrong. Even though David should have replaced him. Even though he was useless at where he'd been put. David had respect to the fact that God was in control. David wouldn't touch him. Because David realized you cannot touch God's anointed and remain guiltless. Take heed to yourself this morning, Abishai. And fight not the battles of the Lord. Lay not your hand, let the Lord lay his hand in his time. In chapter twenty six and verse twenty five, this verse is amazing to me. It says, Then Saul said to David, Blessed be thy, my son David, thou shalt both do great things and shalt also still prevail. David, you're going to overcome literally and morally, you're able in any and all ways to attain that's not the bit that amazes me the finish of this verse says and david went his way and saul returned to his place what's going on here you ever ask yourself that what's going on here you ever say that before God in humility? Lord, what's going on here? You said it. The prophets declared it. The people know it. The palace knows it. The very heir to the throne knows I'm going to be king. Saul, my enemy, knows it and declares it himself. The Philistines in the world know what you're going to do in my life. But David goes back to the wilderness and Saul to the palace. What's going on? David, surely you're tired of hearing that you're called. You're tired of hearing. You have a great plan. You're tired of hearing about all God's going to do. And nothing's manifesting and nothing's happening. Do you know what this verse tells me this morning? God has a schedule. God has a time. God has a course. And God has a plan. And if there's a timing, if there's a schedule and a plan, it's because there's a right time for us suddenly in your life. Everybody knew what God was going to do with David. But the time wasn't right. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. David, hold on. David, hold on this morning. Despite what Saul said, David says, I'll now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me than I should escape the land of the Philistines. Saul, you promised me the moon and the stars. But as we say in Ulster, Saul, jump in. Dead on. I'm away David takes Abigail and Ahinoam and the 600 men and he flees to Achish the king of Gath David's gone to the Philistines David says to Akish, why should I dwell in the royal city with thee how will I stay in the big smoke he says no give me a place in some small town in the country and so David gets sent to Donachlone huh? David gets sent to the small town in the country. David's sent to Ziklag. And he stays there for 16 months. And this makes even less sense than everything else that's happened to David. This is a man with a destiny to transform the kingdom of Israel, to transform the worship life of God's people, to lead them to the victory, to destroy their enemies and their idols. And he's not even on the radar of God's people now. He's not even within the kingdom of Israel anymore. He's hidden in a small town in the country. and But David's faithful. He does what he can where he is with what he has. And he continues to fight the battles of the Lord on the coasts of Israel. But the time comes when the Philistines are going to go up and fight with God's people. And Akish says to David, you're come with me. Three days journey, David rides to the Bible. But the lords of the Philistines... Whether David remembered who he was or not, they hadn't forgotten. And they said, what do these Hebrews hear? Make this fellow return to his place again. Is this not David that they sang about, who slayed his tens of thousands? Boy, you're having a bad day when the world and the devil reject you as well, aren't you? They didn't want him. Send him home. And so David starts the three-day journey back to Ziklag. He's physically exhausted, hoping to find comfort and refreshing in his friends and in his family. But David finds it burned with fire, his family taken captive, all he owns reduced to ashes, and all he cares about taken away. What do you do when it's not working out? What do you do when you've tried your best? You've been faithful. You've kept your integrity. You've tried to be a blessing to people around you. You've prayed and you've waited. You've worshipped and you've worked. And still the years go on. It hasn't worked out the way that you've hoped or you thought God was going to work things. And now you're faced with total loss. And you've nothing left to give after all that you've been through. And as you read this chapter, you can't help but say in your own heart, Is this the straw? that's going to break the camel in David's life. David's in a crisis, and David's on a crossroads. Thirteen years of hope being deferred. The hope of his youth that he could go out and change the world has now been tested and tried, and he's worn and he's weary, and all that's sustained him is the remembrance of the anointing oil running down his head, and the words of God in his ears, this is he. But surely the enemy is whispering to David now, He's whispering in his ears. You're supposed to have a great destiny, David. You're supposed to do great things. And you spent the last years of your life just trying to survive. And now all is lost. You're finished. It's over. Where is your God now? You see, David's bad has become worse. David's complicated has become crisis. David's weary has become worn out. This attack didn't find David at a convenient time. When he was prepared, when he was energized, when he was ready. No, this attack has come after over a decade of battles and tests. And once again, David's life is in chaos. And David and his men, though battle-hardened, men of war, men's men, are empty. And they're weary. And they're broken. It says they wept until they had no more power. To weep, they had nothing left to give. David's wife, Ahinon, the beautiful one. Abigail, the source of joy. The scriptures emphasize this here and show us how intimately and how deeply this has affected David's heart. You see, this battle has touched his loved ones. This battle has reached his family. Even the boldest and bravest of spirits must shed tears from a broken heart over the calamities of loved ones and friends. And verse 6 that we read this morning, David is not only distressed, he is greatly distressed. He is pressed on on every side. He's in a He has nowhere to turn to the right or to the left. Things are closing in all around him. He's pressured on every side. He's nowhere to turn and he doesn't know what to do. And in the midst of all his losses, his own men speak of stoning him. And David's alone with his God. Have you ever got to the point where it's just you and God? We heard last week where you end up depends on when you didn't give up. If that's the case, In this moment, David's in the fight of his life. The battlefield is his own heart and mind. David, what are you going to do? You see, character is not formed in the absence of choices. Let me say that again. Take that to your heart. Character is not formed in the absence of choices. David, you have a choice. Are you going to give up? Are you going to rise up? David didn't ask to be here. David never wanted to be in this situation. But being found here, how he handled it would determine the rest of his life. His future, his family's future, and the future of God's people rests in David's choice now. They say that the outcome of our lives is 10% what happens to us and the other 90% How we choose to deal with what does. The chaos of David's situation would reveal the conqueror in the man. And Such it has always been. For great men with a great message and purpose. Have always been born out of great pain and difficulty. To shine in the midst of great darkness. And stand forth with the truth of God. And David's men fretted for their loss. But David bore it better. David bore it better. David was at his wits' end, but he wasn't at his faith's end. You're at your wits' end this morning. You're not at your faith's end. It says David encouraged himself and the Lord his God. What did you say, David? I would love to know. What did you speak to your heart when you've got nothing left to give? How did you rise up? It was David's practice. Surely he would take comfort in his own words. Now, what time? I am afraid. I will trust in thee. To some of the psalms that we have hid our hearts in over the years were they born out of this very moment. Psalms like I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God and him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler, from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thy trust. For his truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. Did he say to himself, Lord, I will lift my eyes up. to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. Which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer my foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shield upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth. And forevermore, and David picks the shield up again. David picks the sword up again and girds it in his sheath. He says, "Abiathar, get me the ephod. We've got to go and talk to God. I'm not done yet. He says I have a protector, I have a provider, I have a sustainer, I have a keeper, I have a deliverer, there's a defender that's looking after my cause, I have a comforter, I have a shield and a fortress, a defence and a guide, I have a way maker and a bridge, I have a faithful God who cannot lie, I have a God who knows the end from the beginning when I can't see how it's going to work out, I have the great eye. I have the great I am. Whatever we need this morning, he is the I am. But David only had the shadow, brothers and sisters. We have the substance this morning. There's an open heaven above us because there's an empty tomb. There's a man in the glory whose name is Jesus. There is a great high priest who is interceding for us every day, whose prayers will always be answered. He is not only for us and with us, he is in us this morning. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. You cannot go under. You will not go under because it says Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. You cannot feel this morning, because if he started it, he'll finish it. It's not down to you and me. Sheep don't keep the shepherd. The shepherd keeps the sheep. And he says, I have a shepherd. I shall not want he fashioned us in our mother's womb before he formed us he told Jeremiah I knew you and I had a plan for your life I ordained you I'm going to see it through you cannot be separated from the love of God this morning not by tribulation not by distress not by persecution or famine or nakedness or sword it's not strong enough you cannot be separated by death or life angels, principalities, powers, things present or things to come or any other creature. Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. David says, Lord, what am I going to do? He says, get up, pursue. But I'm exhausted. Three days ride, all that's happened. Get up and pursue. Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. So David takes his sword, his shield, rallies his strength, and David steps out. It says David pursued and overtook them, and he smote them from the twilight of the evening till the evening of the next day. But David recovered all. David recovered all. Let me close this morning by applying this to our own lives. The Puritan said great faith must expect the most severe of exercises. David was tested to the extreme just before his ascension to the throne. But Goliath was not David's greatest battle or his greatest victory. It was here at Ziklag, when David won the battle with himself, when he got the victory of his own heart, when he rose up for one more round. In David's worst moment in the day of crisis and pain, Of loneliness and longing. When nothing made sense and he wondered where to go from here. When he wondered if he could face another day. He was no less the man that God had chosen to be king. Than the day when Samuel first anointed him. The fact was he was on the threshold of breakthrough. One that would move him from the wilderness to the palace. And his reaction to this moment in his life was the key that unlocked the door. Listen to me this morning. David endured tests that specifically addressed his ability to keep his focus on his identity and purpose in God. Now take this to your heart and take it with you this morning. He faced continual circumstances for years that directly contradicted God's word over his life. But his job was to ignore the enemy's agenda and develop the strength of character that God was after. This is the schooling for kingship. It's getting up in the morning. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I don't see it. Nothing's happening. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. I don't feel any different. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. That's how you train a king. David's actions prove what he really believed. And likewise, the difficulties in our lives expose the degree to which we really believe God is for us and his words about our destiny are true. This is the strength of our faith this morning, brothers and sisters, in that we have a practical trust in a real God. And we express that trust when we choose to listen to him in the midst of our circumstances more than any other voice and then respond to those circumstances in the light of what God has said. This kind of faith God cannot ignore. But faith doesn't make it easy to move forward. But it does make it possible. It does make it possible. David's personal breakthrough kept him standing in front of an unseen door that was about to open the door to the throne room. Within a year David was king over all Israel. His destiny fulfilled, his dream come true. He would go on to win great battles, extend the kingdom, transform the way that people worshipped, and pen some of the most insightful and beautiful psalms ever written. But as life in this early stage this morning shows us, even an anointed, called life can be brought to the breaking point. But if we refuse to let our circumstances, our personal weakness, criticism and opposition Pain and loss. If we refuse to let anything determine our level of faith and passion for the things of God, we will discover the secret of victory in every situation. Who trains a king in a wilderness? But God did. There are periods in all of our lives here this morning. Listen, I'm closing on this, but listen, get this. There are periods in our lives you feel have been wasted. You're not fulfilling your potential. You may even secretly feel in your heart like you're a failure. Because you don't see yourself operating right now in the way you dreamed that you would. But God can take the wilderness and the situations in our lives, the disconnected, disjointed parts of our lives that make no sense and that seem just like delays. And God can use everything you've been through to equip you for that suddenly moment in your life. I feel I had to say this this morning. If you curse the way that God is leading you, you'll never reach the place He's trying to take you to. Let me say that again. If you curse the way that God is leading you, you'll never make it to the place He's trying to take you to. Nothing in your life is wasted this morning. When God keeps our tears in a bottle you better believe that the circumstances and the situations that caused those tears are not wasted either. If you're in your own personal ziklag this morning, then remember him who loves you, who gave everything for you, and all your distresses is distress with you. And lift your eyes to him this morning. Rise up one more time and pursue, even if it's one weary step in front of the other. Take it anyway. Your destiny is in the fight. Your throne room on the horizon. As a family of God this morning, as we face a new year, let's rise up together. Pursue. Overtake. And recover all. May God bless his word to our hearts this morning. Pastor. Pastor.